Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Kane Gang. I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. Hell no. Joaquin said dominate, and we not doing it. I put my heart in this dog. Let's go, man. Let's go. Kane Gang. Kane Gang. Kane Gang. You're listening to Kane Gang, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Orange and green, that's Kane Gang. You ready to storm 18? That's Kane Gang. Kane Gang. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Kane Gang Radio Show. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody's safe. Joining us tonight, uh, finally again, except we're back for the two weeks. <laughs> it's been a little hiatus. John Michaels from, you know, John Michaels U, Dirty Bird up there in the 772. Fellas. A lot to get to, a lot to talk about. I don't really want to get into football right now. My first and, and foremost thoughts and prayers go out to everybody affected at the West Coast through Hurricane Ian. Yeah. Obviously, you know, we live down here in South Florida. Um, literally, it's a, it's 100 miles from where I am here, you know, from, you know, the Coral Springs, Parkland area, like due west to Fort Myers. My cousins live over in Fort Myers. And, you know, the devastation that occurred over there, like it's 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 pretty bad. So I just want to start off by saying our thoughts and prayers go out, I'm sure, to everybody over there. You guys can chime in, talk about a little bit about that as well, you know? Yeah, it was uh, it was tough to watch from a distance. Obviously, we kept an eye on it because uh, originally we were going to get Category 1 type storm here in Atlanta. It ended up changing past. That was when it was supposed to go to Tampa and then kind of up through the middle of the state into Georgia. Changed paths, cuts across. Uh, then I, I was worried because my mom lives in Savannah. So there was a couple of days they were, they were forecasting her to get Category 1 or 2. And then it ultimately ended up going up to South Carolina. But just to see the utter devastation, you know, I have people up here that go, man, how bad really are hurricanes? And I go, well, just go look at what happened in Hurricane Ian. Go look at what happened in Hurricane Andrew, Katrina, stuff like that. A lot of times it's not the wind, although Ian was different with 140 plus mile an hour winds. Most of the time it's the water that gives you a ton of damage because that water comes in and there's nothing safe. Like once you start getting four or five, six feet of water, there's, there's not a damn thing you can do, but just try to get the higher grounds. But yeah, it's devastation. And this is something that's going to be years and years before it's ever cleaned up. Like I was a senior, I had just graduated high school when hurricane Andrew hit. And at the time I was living in West Palm. So we only got category one ish type stuff, 75 to hundred mile an hour winds. My grandparents lived right there on the Davy, like kind of the the South Fort Lauderdale, not far from the stadium. They got, you know, 120 mile an hour winds and what happened to Homestead. Homestead 30 years later still doesn't look exactly the same. So for the people in Fort Myers and Cape Coral and all those areas over there, man, we hope the best for you. As much as we're mad about football, and trust me, we're going to dive into the anger associated <laughs> with our football program. You know, that puts in perspective what life really is all about. Facts. Yeah, yeah, man, you know, for, for, for me as well, you know, I mean, look, us Floridians and those of us who have grown up in, in Florida like John, I mean, you know, we, we kind of laugh about the hurricane parties and all that stuff. And, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm standing my ground. I'm staying put. You know, sometimes, man, you know, when, when this thing's barreling down, and I said that, I said, man, if we were on the West Coast, we, we'd be out. We'd be we'd right. be on the highway. We'd be getting out of there. Get out of these things way, man, because it's not it's not about the wind, man. It's it's that storm surge and that flooding uh, that'll get you and it, it shuts down. I mean, especially if you're in these coastal areas, man, thoughts and prayers are with everybody. But, you know, just let's let's take this as a learning experience for us too. those of us who are, you know, standing in the way of these storms, like just get out of the way. Right. You, you know, too. your your house, your possessions, they're just that their stuff, your family, your animals, you know, all that. That's that's what's important, man. You know, get get the living 
you know, people and, and things out of the way and, you know, come back and, and, you know, you can rebuild and fix everything from there. But Bert, I'm so glad you said animals because I saw videos that, that make me want to fight people with their cats stuck on a roof of a house or their dog. You know, you, there was some guy with a dog. He left it on a boat. Like you jackass, you don't deserve to have pets. You deserve to be locked up. You know, I've got two yeah. animals upstairs. They, I might grab them before I grab my kids. My kids can fend for themselves. <laughs> the animals, you know, honestly don't know what's going on. Yeah. Second part to what you said that I loved is, is get out of there because you don't get bonus points for sticking around. Oh, I'm big tough. I yeah. stuck around through a hurricane. No, you're yeah. an idiot. Like yeah. play stupid games. You win stupid prizes. And no, I don't with, wish, you know, ill will on anybody. Yeah. Uh, mostly anybody. Uh, but, you know, if you're, if you're there at a hurricane, do drive somewhere. You know, I know the roads are packed. Drive across the street, uh, yeah. uh, state. Go to Alligator Alley. Go to the, the – sleep in your car. Do whatever you can. Just get the hell out of the way. You know, I think some of those people – and, again, I'm going to play devil's advocate when you talk about animals, but there's sharks swimming in the wind in the roads. <laughs> so you you kind of had to protect right. the animals. Like, how wild. You saw, you saw manatees. You saw sharks. You saw – but you got to think about it, right? those animals kind of go with the current. And when you have all that storm surge and all that stuff's just pushing forward, right. like the animals are going somewhere, but you know what? It's, it's not a laughing matter by what's no. by, by no means. And I, I do feel bad for the people. Again, they were told to evacuate. And like you said, John, you want to sit there and play, you know, Mr. Hero. Hey man, I, I you know, but next thing you know, I mean, maybe one of your family members died because you wanted to be that guy. I said, Oh, we'll just hang out and, you know, hang out in the hallway, you know? So People got to take this stuff serious. You know, I would have done the same thing. I would, I would have, you know, bolted and I would have got, and I'm that guy that loves to go storm chasing to a degree, really? to, to a degree. Uh-huh. I know when it's like fun. And then I know when I'm an idiot. So it's no, I'm not going to put myself or my family in harm's way, but I will go out on the beach when it's, you know, when I, like in Deerfield a couple of years ago, when the storm was still, you know, hundred miles out, but the winds are going and the currents coming up and the waves are breaking, you know, four feet. I'm going to go out there and hang out on the beach. Right. When it's getting a little bit more, I'm going. I'm leaving, you know. So. Yeah, I, I remember when Andrew was coming, and originally it was supposed to hit Palm Beach. I was living in West Palm at the time. And about three days beforehand, you best believe we were surfing. <laughs> oh, that's the best surf we ever had in West Palm Beach. Uh, now, yeah. scariest thing that ever happened to me during there, and I was more of a bodyboarder than I was a surfer. Surfing was fun, but boogie boarding I liked better because you could put the swim fins on and you could really navigate through the yeah. water. So it was probably 10 feet, 10, 12 feet, which you never see in West Palm. And we're surfing and we're down by the Palm Beach area, which, you know, you get them really big houses with the wall to stop the the ocean from coming in. Well, the waves were so big. I catch one in and I'm trying to get back out. And now I'm in the washing machine and I can't and I get thrown. And God was on my side. This is truest story. Hand to God. Truest story ever. He was on my side that day because I get picked up and thrown and I'm 140 pounds and I go flying. And instead of getting smashed into a wall, there was a stairway that went up to somebody's yard. I got thrown onto a guy's yard. I'm not, and the guy saw me land on his yard and goes, bro, are you okay? He happened to be looking out, watching all of us idiots as teenagers out there surfing. I got thrown onto this yard. He goes, you know how close you were to not being here? I go, yep. Because if I would have hit the wall, I'd probably get knocked unconscious and God only knows what happened to me. And that was the last time I ever went out during a storm. I said, that's it. Never doing this again. <laughs> you know, you think about the destruction and the devastation that, you know, Hurricane Ian caused. 
That's the type of destruction and devastation the University of Miami used to inflict on opponents. Oh, my goodness. So I'm just going to kind of lead into that. Is, that. is that our segue? <laughs> yeah, that's our segue. <laughs> so let's talk about the MTSU. Obviously, we come out of okay. A&M. We feel good. We played balls to the wall. Like, you know, it just – defense looked like they were ready to play. Mm-hmm. I do not know what happened, but our DBs got smoked. Our DBs got cooked. Our linebackers were atrocious. And we made – I don't even know the quarterback's name. Looked like Tom Brady. Like, literally, he destroyed Cunningham. us. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah, don't Richie matter. Cunningham over there. You know, we, we had Opie. Ricky Falco. Ricky Falco from uh, The Replacements, right? Bro, like, like what happened? I'm going to just say, listen, it's a loss. Chalk it up. Worst loss probably since FIU. I'll even go La Tech. But at the same time, talk to me about what happened that day. Let's let John go first. <laughs> How long do we have here? Is this a two-hour show or one hour? I think I think, <laughs> I think state. I think on your show uh, in the state of Miami, you uh, you you, you kind of probably you know I didn't get a chance to listen to it yet, Ben, but I'm sure it was an hour of of just unleashing. Right? Yeah, it was. Uh, it's not good. Uh, I'll tell you what happened. A <laughs> and M sucks on offense. I told everybody that from day one. And they just replaced. Yeah. You know, our our Matt defense Johnson. looked good against one of the worst offenses in college football. Congratulations. You were able to stop a transfer quarterback to 17 points. Who's no Whatever. longer starting quarterback. Oh, he's back out? Max I Johnson? Believe Hayes, I believe yeah. Hayes King is back. I think, yeah, hurt. I think it's because of injury. But yeah. It doesn't yeah, well, matter. They're, they're I'm tell you, it don't matter because this week Alabama is going to ramrod. Texas A&M. Texas A&M is not a good football team. Mississippi State ramrodded Texas yes, A&M. <laughs> because Texas A&M, as I Shout said, to Dave Case. going in and after, they're not a good team. Shout what out to I, the Ramrod reference from, yeah. uh, from Super Troopers, man. We're off to a good start. I like this. So here's what – I mean, there was 9,000 things that pissed me off. Bird got some of screw this team. I'm not, I'm not flying down here. And quite frankly, had I not already purchased a flight to come down for the FSU game, I wouldn't come. Um, like, I'm, I'm on the – I ain't spending another dime until you show me something train. Again, Miami got outcoached. They got out-efforted. They got out-executioned. They look lethargic. I know they're going to blame the fans, whatever. I was uh, there. You can't blame us. Yeah. Have some damn pride about yourself as a football player because the crap I've heard this week has actually made me more mad than the effort I saw two Saturdays ago. Don't, don't tell me you overlook somebody. Who in the hell is anybody on that football team to overlook anybody? Look at our record over the past five years. The kids that are on this team. You went seven and five a year ago and got your coach fired. You went eight and three in a COVID year. Yay, hooray us. Yet your last two games, you gave up 100 points and got absolutely blown out in the two games that matter, three games that matter, because Clemson blew us out that year as well. The year before that, they go, what, six and seven and lose to FIU. That's basically all the guys that are on the team now. So don't, I, I'm sorry, Jalen Rivers, you, you, you might be the best offensive lineman we have. How dare you tell us you overlooked anybody? Because nobody in that locker room has earned a thing. The effort was terrible. I mean, flat out deplorable. My quarterback looked like he was—he just didn't want to be there, which is why he gets benched. You have defensive players who look like they're stuck in mud. DJ Ivy had a guy that had two catches on the year that's about yay high, about yay high run right by him. I mean, it, it, it's the second worst loss Miami's ever taken. The only other one that was worse was the FIU game. And at least then they had the excuse that guys might have been high or hung over from the night before. This is just a piss poor effort by a team that has no business putting out this kind of effort. So, so let me ask you this. When, 
I want to say it's probably the first long touchdown, maybe that 84 yarder that kind of went. It just, and let's go back to the 98 yarder, right? First of all, yeah. So first of all, you know, you're sitting there first and goal from like the two yard line and you can't move middle Tennessee state. You're down 31, 17 at that point. I'm, I'm kind of condensing it. You're down 31, 17. You're first and goal you know, on the two yard line. You can't move them two yards to get a first down. And then you go on fourth down. I literally called the play. I'm standing right in the end zone. I said, they're running a high, low Mallory's going to do a quick out or Royals going to go by five yards and then out into the back of the end zone. I said, chances are the linebacker is going to pick up Mallory or Royal will be wide open in the end zone. Jake, take, you know, he takes the easy route, throws it quick over to Mallory, which wouldn't have been a touchdown anyway because he was because he, he didn't run his route the right depth. You got to run the, the route into the end zone, right? So, but then he drops the ball again, which is no surprise, right? And he had another drop out the other way, wide down, you know, right down the middle of the field. He had another drop that potentially could have been a touchdown. But if you score there, it's twenty-one, it's thirty-one twenty-four, whole different ball game. Right. But yet the very next play, ninety-eight yards. Me and Bird talked about this. This looked like J- Jameson Williams against DJ Ivy last year in Atlanta. It's literally see you later. But the lack of effort is what bothered me. I don't care that that guy outran you because the guy definitely outran you. Mm-hmm. But at least run all the way through the play. Uh, the technique was horrible. If, if you look at so first of all, you're in you're in a man scenario where it didn't look if he had safety help, Cam Kitchens wasn't in the damn scene. So the safety help wasn't there, but it looked like it was just straight man on the outside. Most teams, when backed up, will take one shot down the field because that's one of the best one yeah. of the best times to take it. Max protect one on one. If if it's not there, you throw it away and you live to fight another day. We're in man coverage. DJ Ivy gives him an inside release. Does not get a hand on him. Opens his hips, hips up to inside release and just lets the guy sprint by him. The guy looked like. The guy looked like Usain Bolt, right? <laughs> yeah, never backpedals, never gets into any type of jam scenario, literally lets the guy sprint right by him. Our safety's 25 yards out of play. We get zero pressure while rushing, and they throw the ball up there. But I want to go back to that goal line scenario and what really angers me. Remember, this happens at the end of the third quarter, and you're trying to tempo them. And I thought Thaddeus scored on the, the second or the third down. I goal. thought he did, I did too. too. What really pissed me off, and this was a Mario just complete cluster blank. You had 12 seconds left, and you're rushing. But now all of a sudden you slow down because you want to see, did we score or not? What you allowed them to do was take a five-minute break to get their defense set up on the other side of the field. With 12 seconds, go right back, Temple. You've got Jake Garcia in the game. How about you tell him? Bullet. You don't even have to play. You run the play. You run the RPO. Still have your receivers run the slant, but you tell Jake to pull it because they were crashing everybody down inside on Thaddeus. And the one thing Jake does better than TVD for sure is use his legs. Yet what do we do? We allow the clock to run out. We allow them to set their defense, get a little bit of a break, and then we throw the ball short of the end zone anyway. I mean, it was just as embarrassing as humanly possible. That wasn't the play that angered me. Like the 98 yarder is one thing. You give up a long touchdown. The one that really made me mad earlier on another fourth down that you failed, you had them pinned back. They run a five yard curl route. Corey flags slow ass, runs in there, takes out two of his own guys, and this little slow midget receiver catches it and boom, gone down the field. We don't have a player on our field that can run this little guy down. I mean, what happened to Miami Speed? Why are we so damn slow? Is Aaron Fell bulking us up too much? 
because oh. we have no speed on our football team. I no. said I said that going back probably 07, 08 when we were playing Maryland with all those. I'm just like we had no speed from Maryland. I'm talking this is that was Maryland. Al Golden's first game. So whatever year that yeah, was. I mean 12, 13. When I'm like, where's our speed on with the DBs? And I agree with you, John, 100. percent To me, it's you have your pendulum, right? Your pendulum swings this way. Like, if you're a senior, you should kind of be – your pendulum should be up here. But it, now I think it's a point you're 2-2 two and two in the season. You need to show me Chris Graves. You need to show me Kamara Wilson. You need to show me these young guys. I would rather see young guys. You talk about Corey Flagg. Love the kid to death. Great kid. But you got to give me Wesley Besant down in there. You know, show me somebody who's hungry, who wants to play, and who can read and react. Because well, I don't know what you're calling, but it's not working. Yeah, I, whatever they're doing, there was a lot of coach speak came out this week that they're going to have to play more zone because maybe they can't play man-to-man. You know, I know DJ Ivy's the easy whipping boy. Tyreek Stevenson got burnt on a simple, just a seam route where he didn't get depth and thought he had safety help, and the guy ran right by him. None of that stuff worked out very well. They put in some of the young guys. They got burnt. Was it Jaden Harris, Harris got burnt yeah. down the field? So it didn't matter. Everybody was toast. I know <laughs> toast is on the OBB, uh, part of the legend. But our whole defense is toast. And I'm going to say something that's going to be really controversial. We allegedly have three great safeties. Allegedly. James Williams, Cam Kitchens, Avante Williams. Save the two interceptions that Cam Kitchens had where he's made some diving plays. Where are these kids? What what have any of them done? James Williams had a nice pick last year against Pittsburgh. What have they done? Avante barely plays. Like these guys are supposed to be all Americans and difference makers, and they're just out there getting cardio right now. Now, Bird, I, I'm not even worried about break. Frank and Larry can kill us, but whatever. Um, <laughs> he, he's always said, if we're on a roll, we just keep going. Um, you you brought up a good point with someone like James Williams, who's supposed to be this 6'5, 230 guy. Yet you're not even coming up to make tackles. You're trying to grab guys and sling them down to the ground. How about coming up, hitting somebody, wrapping up, and making a tackle? Because you're not that big of a guy where you're going to, you know, you're not Bobby Wagner trying to knock down the streaker over there in San Fran the other night, right? Like, you're, you're not that guy yet, you know? Make the tackle. I don't, I don't know what it is, Bird, but, like, are we back to Gervin Hall? No, no. So so here's the deal with this game for, for me, right? I mean, obviously, you know, look, we, we all, no matter what our take is on it, we all felt the same thing. Shock, you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't shocked. I wouldn't even anger. I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm so used to this because that's yeah. the norm for us. Yeah, and that's a, that's unfortunate that, that yeah, we're so right. used to it now. But you know, I've spent the the past week and a half like really trying to you know just kind of think about where we're at and and where we're going and whatnot, right? And you know, I mean, hope's not a strategy, but right, but I but I do hope that this serves as a wake up call, right? To you know, to the coaching staff. I think this coaching staff has focused almost all their time on recruiting you know, and just kind of walked in and, you know, you know, maybe we haven't put a lot of competition up for, you know, for the, for the guys that are, that are earning it out there. Right. I mean, it seems like we're still playing the same senior players who continue to make the same mistakes, right. In, in crucial situations. Right. And I don't ever want to call anybody out by name. These are all, they're all obvious, right. The, the mistakes that are being made out there, right. They're, you know, they're, they're happening on the field in front of all our own eyes. Right. So, you know, like you said, a guy like Wes Passaint, I mean, that kid needs to be on the field. You know, um, and, you know, other guys that we hear about that are killing it in, in, in practice. Right. Um, you know, practice. Keith Williams. Yeah. We're, talking practice? Practice? we're talking about practice. <laughs> you know, I mean, I definitely want to see, 
you know, those guys get the opportunity because I would, you know, personally, I would rather lose with guys that are really trying out, trying hard out there and maybe they make a mistake rather than guys that, you know, have been out there for four, five seasons and they're still making the same mistakes, right? Like, you know, some of them, they show up great in some games, man. You're like, wow, this person's living up to the hype. And then they get in a game, you know, and they just, they just, it almost looks like they just stopped caring in there. And, you know, oh, look, you know, I'm beat by, you know, I'm, I'm beat by two yards. Like, if you feel like you're toast like that, man, reach out and grab that. Take the, take the pass interference in the 15 yards. 15 yeah, we've said that all the time. College. Yeah. Dude, I, I mean, will like, I, you'll oh, hear yeah. this. I'll I can the hell out of you, I, am, I am pulling you down because oh, I yeah. know. That that I'm toast. I'm not going to get the ball. Like I'd I'd rather you take the penalty and you go over and be like, Coach, I was I was burnt. Like it was either that or the touchdown. And the coach is going to be like, All right, you made the right call there, son. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? There's not a coach in America, uh, especially like if DJ would have just dove and tripped the kid, and you take yeah. 15 yards. Guess what? It's first down at the 17 yard line. I can let yeah. my defense continue to go out there and play. Obviously, one of the big things we have to do now is turn the page because. As much as we're mad, yeah. and trust me, I am. I'm still livid. Um, I, I am coming to the FSU game. I'm. I, you know, I still have a gang of tickets to Georgia Tech. I'm going to that game. I still plan on going to Clemson. Uh, begrudgingly, now my whole family's not coming to FSU anymore. Uh, well, at least, at least you saved some money. I saved a lot of money. Thank goodness. I and the ticket prices have, have plummeted because and, and they lost. Yeah, and they might be on a four-game losing streak by the time they come to right. Miami. Anyway. I'm not worried about them. We might be on a four-game losing streak by the time because we, we've well, already lost tickets, two in a row. Tickets could be yeah. super cheap then. <laughs> yeah, I, I can get a, a bunch of money. But turning the page, you know, Bird, you said something before we came on the air, which is right. I just don't live in that moment a lot of times because I am that crazy of a fan. All of the realistic goals were still in front of us. This was yeah. never a playoff team, and we said that before the year. They're not a yeah. playoff team. I said before the year they would lose to somebody they're not supposed to. Now, I'd never in my wildest dreams thought it would be middle whoever the hell they are in some yeah. moonshine part of Tennessee. Never they're thought not even middle Tennessee. In a, they're middle Tennessee state. You know, yeah, I, I don't even know where Murfreesboro. It's about uh, 45 minutes south uh, east of Nashville. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they weren't even a good enough school to be in Nashville, which kind of <laughs> lets you know where they're at. But they kicked our ass. Yeah. But the realistic goals are in front of us. Yeah. The Coastal Division is dog poop. Dog poop. Dude. I've watched, you know, my, my boy Joe Ham works at Georgia Tech. Um, Georgia Tech is terrible. Duke is better, but they're still Duke. Virginia Tech and Virginia, I don't know what's happened to either one of those teams. They're god-awful. Literally this week, and Pitt is not very good. They just lost to Georgia Tech. They literally this throttled in that game. Georgia Tech physically kicked their ass up and down the field. This week against North Carolina, if you can somehow find anything, you've got a chance to take control of that division. Yeah. As stupid <laughs> as that sounds, after losing by tw- by 14 to Middle Tennessee State, that's the reality of where we're at. Yeah. So l- let me just put this out there, because I know it's going to get brought up later in the show. Let's just do it now. TVD or Jake Garcia? TVD. Oh. I'll, I'll go for it. Yeah, it's, it's it's TVD, right? And you know, I mean, you, you gotta you, if you if you go away from him, he's shot for the rest of the year. He's probably going to shut it down. He's not going to want to go into games. He's going to preserve his year eligibility. He's going to want to transfer, and he's gonna he's going to go. Somewhere but he doesn't else, even right? need a transfer. He, he can actually go to the draft. He's three years out of high school, so technically. He he but don't need but do you get do you get do you get drafted right now with what you've put on on film this year? Well, you I mean, can't go by maybe, this year. 
listen, at the end Maybe. of the day, you still go by, you go by combines, you go by, you, they already know what he did yeah. last year. You know, again, hold. So you, again, this is what people don't realize. Let's look at Kyle Wright, John. And obviously, you know, you're going back that time. You had Mr. Football in the United States of America, Kyle Wright, coming into Miami. You had four different OCs in four different years. That plays a part in how you perform. This yeah. is a whole new offense for, for Tyler Van Dyke. So I, I think that's a little bit of, you know, and again, he doesn't have a Rambo. He doesn't have a Mike Harley. He lost his safety blanket and extrega Restrepo. So there are some things that are hindering. He threw the ball nice to Will Mallory. Mallory just don't catch the ball. So those are plays that kind of play into how bad TVD is playing as well. I'm not saying that he's making the right yeah. read all the time because I think this season he's quick to just go, not even go through progressions. Like the first interception, if he would have let that that first one in the flat, if he would have let that play out a couple seconds longer, there was somebody going right down the middle of the field wide open, right? So you can't so there hold is. on, Bert, hold on, Bert. But you can't talk about the second one that was batted. I mean, your O line didn't do their job and knock the guy down. The guy bats the ball and runs it in for a pick six. I don't necessarily think those those plays are on the quarterback. Right, but I, I think there is something that the, that the coaching staff needs to own on this, right? whatever this whole check with me that they have going on on every play when these guys need to audible out. I mean, we're having eight minute drives out here and yeah. I think yards. It, it, it almost doesn't matter if it's TVD or Jake, if you're not going to, if you're not going to make the quarterback comfortable, like that's, that's the one thing, say what you will about Rhett. Right. But Rhett really had Tyler comfortable last year. And, and well, Rhett Tyler didn't look good last that. night. I'll tell you that right he now. He didn't. That's why I said, say what you will about him. <laughs> But the one thing you can't argue with is Tyler was very comfortable last year in the offense. And and like when you let him cook and make decisions, you know, he was out there. But you got to let these guys get a rhythm and build this confidence. But this whole like, you know, stop and look back over the sideline. Okay, I'm going to check out of this. What do you want me to do? It's almost like they're forcing, yeah, you know, they're forcing the routes, right? And you can't ever force it. Like let him get in there, let it, let it develop, let it, you know, I mean, the kid both these guys watch a lot of film, right? Like they're film junkies, right? Like they're going to make the right, they're going to make some wrong ones. You know, they're going to make some wrong reads at times. Right. But you got to let them get comfortable and, and do their thing. Right. Yeah. And to go to the point with Tyler or Jake, it's dirt bird. You hit it dead on. If you take Tyler out now and make Jake the starter, Tyler's never your starter again. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Barring injury. Like, I, I mean, if Jake got hurt, knock on wood, maybe he comes back in. You don't want this to turn into 2018. Because remember, Malik starts, you're four and one or three and one. Funny, coming up against North Carolina. Mark Rick makes the change, goes to Nikosi. Nikosi plays well. You win 47 10. Last time you beat North Carolina. Hmm. Next week, you're on the road at Virginia. Nikosi looks terrible. He throws a couple of interceptions. You yank him out of the game and go back to Malik. And now you've shot both quarterbacks for the rest of the year because now Malik's trying to get back in. The coach, you're, you played quarterback roulette and yo-yo and everything else. I stick with Tyler Van Dyke until the wheels completely fall off. Now, you get down 21-0 or whatever this week and he looks terrible again, then you make the change and you make the change for good. And you just tell Tyler, you know, whatever it may be, you can compete, but you're not the QB. What I need to see out of Josh Gaddis, and again, all the, the coach speak that I saw this week, we, we're back in the lab, and now Frank Ponce and Josh Gaddis and Tyler Van Dyke are all meeting together. Like the idea that my QB coach and my OC and my quarterback were not meeting together, that's a fail on Mario. Sorry, you need to mandate that your whole damn offensive staff is in there meeting together with your quarterback. 
Yeah. You need this to happen. The fact that I saw an article that Tyler didn't have the wide receiver's phone number, that's a fail. Like that, that is just such a disconnect. And it kind of tells you what's going on behind the scenes with this football team. That's a culture that needs to change. But from just a schematic standpoint, I watch a lot of other games because I enjoy college football. And there are so many mediocre quarterbacks that put up great numbers because the system is easy. Max Duggan. Dude, Stetson (laughs) Bennett is five foot ten and about 190 pounds. You know what Georgia does? They get the ball out immediately. They'll overload. If you've got two DBs, they put three guys over there and they run a quick screen and they get, and if they get five yards, it's five yards. And that's something Rhett did last year a ton. In 2020 with De'Aaron King, how many times did he just rise up and throw the ball outside? And if you get five yards, you get five yards. Where is that in this slow, boring ass offense that we're running right now? So I brought this up to, I think maybe I was the U bird, right? What Gaddis is bringing with that Big Ten offense is almost what D'Onofrio tried to do with that Big Ten defense. Like, right. it doesn't work at Miami. Like, if you watch last year with Lashley, I mean, I, we can even talk about the UNC game. You know, obviously, look, a quick little screen out to the left in the flat uh, with with Knighton, they did that against Louisville. They mm-hmm. did it against Carolina. You got your speed guys wow. out in space. Where that wheel guys? route, that yeah. wheel route is always open with Knighton. Like, Use it, <laughs> use it till use it till they stop it, yeah. right? And I agree. I think you can't take TV. I, I, someone, some, someone said you got to yank them, and I said, well, that would be like yanking Brock Berlin in two thousand three when they were getting smoked by the Gators. Like yeah. Brock, you saw what Brock did. Like I didn't think that you should have pulled Tyler out of that game. I think he should have finished the game. Oh no, you, he had to go in that. You to season. me, like you win oh. with them, you lose with them, right? Like either you started Jake the second half. Or you just let Tyler finish that game. I mean, that, that's my perspective. Again, everybody has their own opinions. Yeah. I think Tyler can right the wrong and right the ship moving forward this week. But he's got to have help, too. Oh, line's got to do better. Running back. I mean, obviously, you're getting Knight and you're getting Parrish. I think Parrish going out early. Knight going out early. You're relying on Thad Franklin to try to just, you know, again, he's a bruiser. He's, you know, he's not a speed guy. Right. Not saying that he can't run, but you lost a lot. But what about the kid from UAB that came over here? Like, where's he at? Where's the yeah. kid Perry? Where's where's uh, Walden? Like, where are some of our speed backs? Where, where's yeah. all the design that I saw last year from Josh Gaddis at Michigan to get Rashad Smith in the backfield? He clearly is not a great slot receiver. We're seeing that already. How about get yeah. him in the backfield? You know, put some speed back there where a linebacker has to chase him. Let him run an angle route. Let him run an option route to the outside. They're not doing any of this. The offense is the – this is as painful as Dan Enos in 2019. Ooh. It's so <laughs> damn slow, so unimaginative. Um, you know, you're t- Bird, you're talking about eight, nine, ten play drives. We go ten plays and we go 35 yards. And it takes seven and a half minutes to go 35 yards. And we punt. <laughs> and then we punt or we miss a field goal. Or we go for it on fourth and goal and we can't punch it in from a yard out. It's embarrassing what I've seen so far for all the hype. And, yep, I fell into it again. Spent $100 million on a staff, and Mario's going to come save the world. This is this is awful four games in. Awful. It, it's awful. Now, Bird, you had brought something up that was kind of kind of intriguing. We've been talking about it throughout the week. Obviously, we haven't had a show here in two weeks. And, you know, you listen to the Ken Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM, Channel 145 Slam Radio. Um, we talk about our senior leadership. 
you know, mm. it, it, and before I get into the, the 18 and the 19 class, I do have to talk about one who could have still been here, who literally gives like zero Fs now in Arizona State. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to talk about Nesta. And right. listen, I love the kid. I love his character. I yeah. love his passion. But, bro, like, you're over He got sport. cooked. He, and he then got he got cooked. cooked. Like, but what are you doing? Like, is that one of the reasons why he's no longer uh, at Miami? Because it's just the things that he does here? But, again, that, that goes back to our 18 class, right? Let's So, Bert, go ahead. I, you, I know you're really big well, on that. Well, I think we need to set the stage for this, right? I mean, you know, I talk about, you know, hey, I've been trying to rack my brain about, hey, why are we in this position, right? And, you know, look, I'm, I'm going to say I'm fully in on Morio and on the investment that the program's making. I do still feel he's the right guy. Um, you know, the thing is, we just don't know kind of what the what the makeup of that that team was from an internal perspective, right? right? And I think there's still a lot of problems that we're trying to work out. I'm not going to call any one of these kids individually a problem, but I think collectively, um, there's probably some some attitudes that are in there, and there's some you know all about me attitudes that are in there, right? And uh, those are things that you gotta that you gotta work out, and you know to build a, the right culture and the and the type of culture that Morio is trying to put in. It's night and day compared to what it was in the previous administration. Right. Um, you know, so it's going to take a little bit to get there, but you know, one of the things that can really help a coach transition into that is some really strong, you know, upperclassmen and senior leadership that's in here. But when you look at what, com what that's comprised of on our team, man, it's, it's tough. Right. And you look at, there's, there's one player left in the 2017 class and that's, that's Wayman Steed. Right. And, you know, I mean, you know, he's been a great guy, right? Great, great individual, but, you know, he's tough out there right now, right? Like, um, but then you look at it really at the 2018 and the 19 classes. And this is, you know, you should have at least half these guys that are in here and that are that are contributing. But most of these individuals aren't on the team. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to come through here and we wanted on a scale of one to ten, not, and this is really important to understand, not <laughs> rating that player or what they've done, but what their impact to the program was right so for example and i want to start with one so we can set the set the stage on on the example of one of them but we're going to go down here to, to greg russo right greg russo phenomenal talent absolutely killing it with the bills but when you look at greg's greg's tenure here i mean he played three quarters of a season right and that was a great three quarters of a season but if you look at the impact that that had on the program you know it really wasn't that substantial of an impact him being here, right? I'd probably on a scale of one to 10, you know, give, give Greg like a four just because of the small sample size of it. So it's not a knock on, on the individual player, but more, you know, how, the, how that recruitment uh, kind of worked out. So let's, let's start at the top of the class here with the oh. five star that came oh. in in 2018. And Co, why don't you, why don't you start us off and give you, give us your thoughts on, on uh, our, our friend up in Gainesville now? I mean, obviously Lingard came in with all this hype. I never really liked his running style. John, if you remember watching him in high school, he kind of runs like Eric Dickerson. Runs kind of high. Um, again, he had one good run against, I think it's Savannah State, for like right. 75 yards, 80 yards. Um, but then he got hurt, right? And then at the end of the day, he never was able to get back on the field. I don't know if it was injuries, continuing injuries, couldn't learn the playbook, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, he's a five-star talent, just like we've had previous five-star talents that just don't pan out. And we have a... Technically, you have another five-star, three people underneath him that or you know, that was supposed to be a five-star. That didn't pan out either. 
So again, I don't, I don't go by stars because the way that they rank these kids now, I, I don't agree with it. Like to me, let me see what you're doing with pads on and then show me how you rank them. Not on seven on seven drills. Yeah, I, I agree with the seven on seven. I, I, I know a lot of people that work for 24 seven and, and take this very serious. So I do put credence into where these kids are ranked. Doesn't mean they all pan out. Lorenzo yeah. Lingard was a one. I mean, that's it. His impact on the program was a one. It was bigger for him to try to troll when he went to Gainesville and go be the fifth string running back up there than anything he actually did at Miami. So a kid that should be a senior superstar running back. Actually, he should be a kid that's in the NFL if he lives up to five-star hype, but he doesn't. So he has a one. That's it. He's a one impact, and it's an absolute fail that you have a five-star running back that had one run against a Division 17 <laughs> opponent for him to go out. There. Savannah have, State, baby. Savannah State. I could go run for 40 right. yards against Savannah State. Let, let, let's keep it moving. Let's jump into Brevin's tenure here, right? So Brevin played, uh, I think, three seasons in total here. Yeah, uh, but con- went out, continue, got drafted. Continue, continual injuries year right. after year after year. I thought he would have been better off coming back the following year, maybe his senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, again, listen, you end up getting drafted by the fifth round, but as, as far as what you did at Miami, I'd give him a three or a four. He had one big catch against Florida State on that comeback game. Other than that, what really did, did Brevin Jordan do at Miami? He had a big he touchdown against. He had a big touchdown against Florida in, in that opener on a on a nice seam route. Uh, I give him a five. Brevin Jordan was still pretty damn good when he was there. Um, yeah. You know that yeah, that's he had the one he had for a few comeback too, right? Well, that's what I'm talking about, right? He the last, yeah. you know, he he caught the winning touchdown from the cozy. Yep you know, on, on that mm-hmm. comeback. But really, other than that, you know, it's it was hit or miss with him. Yeah. Yep. So Nesta, Nesta's next on the list. Didn't live <laughs> up to the hype. You know, remember, I'm going to put on, was it, putting on for the crib or whatever. Why, make why the, not make, make the, the crib great again. Make the crib Chuck great again. Yeah, that, I like Nesta. Great effort, kid. Never lived up to the hype. You know, he was supposed to be the next Warren Sapp, the next Vince Wilfork. Nothing. He was... He was an average defensive tackle at Miami. I'll call it what it is. There's yeah. a reason he transferred and nobody really uh, broke their hearts. I mean, I hate, I liked his attitude. He, he screamed Miami, but his impact at Miami was probably a two. His biggest yeah. moment was getting recruited. That was it. That was his mm-hmm. biggest moment. And I like Nesta. Sometimes I feel yeah. like he's, his, his bark is bigger than his bite. Does that make sense? On yep. the field. Yeah. You're yeah, probably yeah, right. on the field, you know? So yeah, yeah I, would I would give him like a that. three. Yeah, two, three. Yep. Yep. All right. Noodles. Mark Zero. Pearl. Let's just call it. <laughs> no, <I'll> see. <laughs> so, but, but John, I mean, you, you got to give him, like, he had a great touchdown against Vatek to win that game. King hit him yep. over the middle. But really, other than that, like, he dropped a touchdown going against uh, Oklahoma State that, you know, on the bowl game could have, like, you know, scored on that. It just, he was up and down his whole career. I don't know if it was mental. I don't know if it was system. I don't know what the case may be. But again, you're talking about a seven-on-seven kid who, when you put pads on, it changes things. Yeah. He's probably a two-three yeah. to me at best. He had some moments. He had about 45, 50 grabs one of the year, which, hell, we're not going to have decent. anybody close to 45 <laughs> or 50 catches this year. So, uh, decent, but, again, didn't live up to the hype. Was supposed to be a local kid that made good. And as I look at this recruiting class, I just get sick. Like, I remember how excited we were. Lorenzo Lingard, Nesta Silvera, Mark Pope, Jaron Williams, Al Blaze. You're like, this is going to be the class. And if I hear one more kid say, we're going to be the class that puts Miami back on the map, shut the hell up. 
<laughs> play on a college football field and then get back to me. That's right. All right. Let's let's jump into the quarterback from the class, Jam Williams. I, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, look, you had a you had a great game, but listen, you got the all time leading touchdown. You know, you know, at the University of Miami, Ooh. as far as six Ooh, touchdowns. Game. I mean, yep. it, it happens. Doesn't mean you're a good player. It just means you had a good day. I honestly would have loved to seen him in Rhett Lashley's offense because Jaron, when he played at Central Gwinnett right down the street from me, they played four wide spread and threw it all over the field. He was square peg round hole in Dan Dan Enos's offense. Um, Obviously, and you feel terrible for the kid. His career's over because he had concussion issues. Um, You know, it's not weed issues. No, he had concussions. <laughs> no, I had, know. And there were weed allegations and some stuff like that. Let's be real. Everybody, not everybody, a lot of people smoke. A lot of people can handle it. But Medical I would, marijuana. <laughs> I would have liked to seen him get a real shot in a better offense. Unfortunately, he didn't. And yeah. uh, once once Derek transferred in, Jaron saw the writing on the wall. So he's a one. Four-star oh. kid that had one half a year of starting football. And what's his kiss of death? The FIU game. Right. Of so course. that's that's what you know, when it when you think of that game and you know how bad it was for the program, like I mean, you know, he was the, the poster child and then it comes out, Yeah, the poster child of that loss is is Jaron and you know what he did before the game going right. into it, right? right? You know, and that's that's terrible. I wish the guy would have worked out. I think he, you know, we were definitely hyped when he came in, but uh you know, obviously another one didn't work out, a one or two, right? Yep. So next one is a you know guy who's who's still on the team, right? You know whose whose name is legendary here. Uh, you know he's had some injury issues while he's he's been here. He's he's flashed at times, um, you know. But overall, I mean, you look at the impact that uh, that Sevens had, man. And you know, I mean, I I, I don't know where, where would you guys put this one? I, I I'm not. It's a two at best. Again, he's flashed. But now he's in another year, kind of a position change. He's kind of playing a hybrid safety corner role. I saw moments when he was a young player. I said, man, Al, Al's going to be a baller. And unfortunately, I think injuries and a lot of stuff has really derailed everything with his career. I hope over the last eight, nine games, he has a chance to turn it around and maybe he makes it to the NFL. But it's a two right now. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. He had an impact that's really made it where you say, hey, this team's going to be great because Al Blades Jr. And I hate it. His dad was a warrior. His dad's one of the greats. And he, and, and his uncles. Yeah. I mean, obviously, his uncles. like his uncle will be celebrated on Saturday with the 87 National Championship team that's going to be honored. And I don't know why we always honor great teams when we're Which, playing. By the way, can we stop doing that? Because every time we have one of those teams there, we lose by 20. Yeah. Does, Steve Walsh, does Steve Walsh and Michael Irvin – Really have to come down and watch these kids that get their ass whooped on a Saturday? Dude, come on, man. We, we need to send that 87 team into the locker room before the game. Hell, I'd rather have the 87 team play right now with dad bomb. I guarantee they put a better damn effort out there. Oh, man. All right, let's let's keep moving through this uh, list. Another another guy who's still on the team is DJ Scape. I give him a four. Yeah, three, four. Yeah. At least I mean, he's been a starter. He's starting. He's been he's been kind of serviceable, but yeah. you know his freshman year, man. You know you you saw flashes, right? That right. you know I thought he was going to be, you know, a great year, right? And uh, you know he just never continued to develop, right? And that's I think part you know, of it is moving around, playing right tackle, right guard, like, yeah. like find a damn he's position, had, uh, keep him there. He's had what three offensive line coaches? Maybe actually maybe yep. four through his tenure, yeah, probably. Yeah, Girls, Darren Justice, Maribel, and, and uh, Butch Berry. 
and Butch Berry. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that's that that is a lot to, to put on a kid. So I'll, I'll give him that one. Four but, years, I mean, yeah. four techniques. There you go. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Brian Hightower played one year, right? Still, now he's still Illinois. playing at Illinois. Still playing. Yeah. Zero one. What I I don't even <laughs> yeah, remember I mean, being there. He had one catch, I think, in the spring game. That's my that's the that's extent good. of my memory from actually, you know what? No, in that opening game at LSU, he caught a touchdown. And huh. a really impressive touchdown. That was a long Jeff throw. Thomas, yeah, Jeff Thomas had one and then uh, and then Hightower had the other one. And we were like, Oh my gosh, like this Hightower kid's great. And then nothing from there. Mm. All right, moving through. Cam started running back for a few years, had a couple really good games. To me, you know, I, I couldn't get, figure out why Cam always ran so low, man. <laughs> like, I mean, he was like scraping the gown every every time he went, man. Like, I just don't get it, man. I'm trying to like, figure out why he left school. Like, what the hell was he thinking? You know, off I, of injury I, too. Yeah, I mean, dude, come back, he would have been playing right now. He's like a three or a four. He was a starter. Had some, he did have some good moments. But again, didn't it's not like he elevated the pro. There's not a player we're going to find on here that has elevated the program or, or really taken it to the next. I mean, you know what? I'll give him a five. He started for two years. Yeah. Uh, so good for Cam yeah. Harris. I, yeah. I wish he was still here. We could absolutely have used him uh, a couple of weeks ago against Middle Tennessee. All right. Gervin. <laughs> Chalk it up to one. Yeah, Again, man. when you're when the best thing you ever did was have Nick Saban show up in a helicopter to come recruit you. And there wasn't much on the field. The only, what what do we know Gervin for? Targeting yeah. and, and miss, penalties and missed well, tackles. I, I wouldn't go with Amari Carter on the targeting. Yeah, you're right. He's down the list. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was in the same. Oh, no, he, was, no, he, was in, he was the 17. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, 17. All right. Moving down. Gil. Love the kid. I mean, obviously flash here great. and there. But as far as productivity and really making an impact, I still go with a four. Why is there a lot of consistency more now? I know, I, I know. I that that one kills me. That that like because when he's on the field, he makes plays, man. Like right. he just has that kind of knack for the ball. And but for some, you know, he'll play the whole game one week and then play nothing the next week. And you're like, right. what the hell is going on here? With that's that? one of the so. main thing I noticed with this staff. I don't understand the rotations. They're almost rotating too much. Why is Leonard Taylor getting 15 plays a game? He's the best defensive lineman you have. Put the damn kid on the field 40 plays a game. Let him go yep. make plays. It's not have, same thing with right. Gilbert Frierson. I'd rather see him out there than some of these ham and eggers they're having in the defensive backfield. Yeah. yeah. Next one's Will Mallory. I mean, we, I don't know how you want to call him. Brick hands, Edward Scissor hands. Uh, he just – but, again, like he came in with Brevin as being like number one and number three tight ends in the country. You know, he ran track. He was this big kid, ran hurdles. I just, again, the, the biggest thing with me, and, and the kid's a great kid. The biggest thing is just your production. You could have so much more production if you can catch the ball. Remember, right. he dropped one against Florida in the end zone, dropped one against Michigan State, dropped numerous ones this year. Dropped I mean, multiple against North Carolina his freshman year when yeah, we lost yeah. up there. I mean, Back-to-back games. Yeah. He dropped the one in Florida in the end zone, then he dropped the following game, dropped back-to-back. I mean, he's got a handful of highlights, right? Yeah. Like, you know, there's a couple of like, you know, some great hurdles that he's had. And I think yep. once he gets the ball in his hand, like running, running after the catch, he's pretty effective, man. Like I once mean, he gets can, the ball. Bird, you can even go back to the middle Tennessee game. He was fortunate. That was a fumble. He caught the yeah. ball and fumbled and they called it incomplete. Um, yeah. He's fortunate. He's like a two. Again, yeah. I, when you remember somebody for their drops and not the plays on the field, 
This is the part. This now tells me why we suck right now. Looking at this class, knowing that this should be your seniors, this tells you why Miami is trash. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, this one should technically be your super seniors because of the COVID year. Right. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly kind of where we're going and the point that I've been like, oh my gosh, like looking and trying to, trying to really cut to the root of, you know, why is this program in the state that it's in right now? Right. Obviously, nobody on. has, nobody's been over a five. No. Yeah. And, and we might have been, been nice giving yeah. Cam a five. Yeah. We could, yeah. these next two, you can skip zero. Cleveland Reed <laughs> transferred out, transferred back in, then left the program. Marcus Ezard went to Georgia Tech, then got hurt up there. And I don't think he's even playing college football anymore. Those guys are zeros, zero. Two four stars that meant nothing. They were literally just marks on a ledger. Yep. So, DJ. <laughs> Jekyll, Mr. Jack, Mr. Jekyll and Hyde. You pass. Pass. How about we just do this one? Next, D. Wiggins. Yeah. Next. Next, John Let's Campbell. You know what? I'll give John Ballin, Campbell six. I'll give him a six right now. I still can't give him a six. He started four games and been a lot injured. But seeing him as a redshirt freshman at in Orlando against Florida, where him and Zion Nelson just got ran by every single time, John Campbell's at least made himself into a kid that's got a chance next year to be our starting left tackle again and maybe get drafted in the NFL. I'll give him a four or five. He He's yeah. definitely trending in the right direction. I'm giving him a six because I, I like him a lot. Okay. <laughs> and look, look I, th- I think I think John is, is definitely trending in that right way. I think he's better drafted. than Zion Nelson. He's, he is. He's well, a he's prototype healthy. NFL body, too. I mean, yeah, that 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 dude is an NFL tackle, man. And yeah, I, the best uh, ability I, I, is availability. And Zion <laughs> yeah. doesn't have any of that right now. Yeah. Well, and, no and go back to – but hold on. Like, go back to the A&M game, right? If you remember, Campbell started at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Like, third series in, Zion went in. I think Zion had a, a, an eligible downfield call on him. There was something else. Next thing I know, I see Zion – and I think somebody got hurt, but then Zion went to right tackle, and Campbell yep. went back on left, cam- uh, left tackle. Campbell never came back out of the game. Right. I well, mean, Campbell's been the starter pretty much from the, the start. And yeah. Zion did go in at right. T- I think DJ got hurt that game. Uh, and they left Zion over there at right tackle. And he did he did fine. Yeah. Um, we definitely could use him back on the starting O-line ASAP. Yeah. All right. So Greg Rousseau, like I said, I, I would still give him what he did at Miami, I'd give him a five. Only because of the Florida State game alone. Really, that's I, that's about it. I'll give him a seven because you ended up being a first round pick. Um, you had fifteen. You had fifteen and a half sacks. You can't do that on accident. That kid was a stud. I wish we had him more years. I wish our dumbass coaching staff would have started him the first four weeks. And you probably don't lose to North Carolina, and maybe you don't play, yeah, or Florida. Uh, But you're you're putting Scott Patchen out there, who was 113 at the time. (laughs) The funny thing is, he's not even on our 2017 roster. He's like 2015 roster. I think he's 2015. He was Al Golden recruit, man. Remember we were correct. Yeah, he's obviously been on the show. We we love Patch and had some good times with him here, man. But uh, these next four, you don't even have to bring up Patrick Joyner, hmm. Nigel Bethel, Realist George, Jordan Miller. I mean, he's played a little bit, but that Realist George was a number two fullback in the country. Yeah, fullback. Fullback's a useless recruiting position. And so. where's he at right now? 
Uh, what, Independence Community College, or no, no, no he's at Missouri as the starting defensive tackle. He played the whole game against UGA the other day. Really? And I was, you, watching, you, I was watching that game. I was. Do you know who the defensive coordinator from Missouri is? Blake Baker. Blake Baker. I had a <laughs> caller. I swear on everything, because obviously we take calls about Georgia. Yeah. Guy calls in and goes, "Man, that Missouri defensive coordinator Blake Baker is great." And I said, "Stop right now." <laughs> not great at That's, all. I said, just just slow your roll. He was like, he called a great game. I said, slow your roll. You didn't do but, this. You didn't pull the Lee Corso. Not so fast. Oh no, the guys on my show were like, fast. they were like, you're jaded because he coached at Miami. I'm like, no, he sucked. Well, He's not on, very good. Let me ask you this though: like, if you're a defensive coordinator for Manny Diaz, are you really the DC? I don't know. I don't know I what. Mean, I'm just saying. That's the thing. Like, would have, and then I said, I said that when Blake left, I said, watch him go and be a brilliant mind somewhere else where he's allowed to cook. And I think, you know, the court, uh, the coach for Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz, he's an offensive minded coach, right? Like, he's not a guy who's meddling with the defense. That's really Blake's defense. And honestly, like, that defense looked fantastic against Georgia. And if they oh, would have had, really well. if that game was three quarters, obviously, that, you know, that would have ended up with it with an L for Georgia. So, you know, was it Blake or was it Manny? You know what I well, mean? Like, well, not only that, but our boy Jonathan Packy over at the <laughs> Incarnate, Incarnate Word, Word is actually having a pretty good defense going for them. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh. So anyway, moving All on. Right. So you, Bubba Baxa. So, uh, yeah. yeah. so that, that's it. That is a class of duds. Yeah. I, other than Greg Russo, One. Brevin Jordan, John Campbell. And Cameron Harris. Cameron Harris. It's a bunch of kids that were more hype than substance. Yeah. Is that and the seven, that's, is them, that the 18 class? That's the 18 yeah. class? That's the 18. And not one, but not one of them has overachieved, right? Everybody. No, Greg Russo overachieved. Greg Russo was a three-star. Well, yes. Three-star yeah. receiver. Right. Safety, receiver, whatever he was. Yeah. Oh, boy. Where, do it. Oh, he sees a couple. Oh, boy. Here we go. Let's go. Oh, already looking at the first two names, your two highest-ranked recruits who aren't even on your roster and had zero impact. So, so let's let's okay yeah so one and two is next next Keontre mm-hmm. Smith again came in as a, a safety slash corner now put on some weight playing linebacker um, again I'll give him probably a four you know he he's playing pretty well but not to where that's not his position Avery yeah. Huff you go with a zero kid can't even get on the field which boggles my mind he's got all the athleticism we always hear what a physical freak he is and then. Gets to games, and I think he runs down on special teams uh, from time to time. Keontre, to me, is maybe a three. He's a starter, but he gets pulled out of the game after about 20 snaps. It's not like he's out there for 65-7. Like, I think back to our linebackers when our linebackers were good. They never came off the field. Shaq, Pink, and McLeod were on the field the entire game. Third and five, third and 18, they're on the field. Maybe nickel you took Zach out from time to time. Keontre plays 20 plays, then they put Caleb Johnson in, then Agude comes in, and then Corey Flags in, and then Wesley Besaint's in, and then Wayman Steve. Like, we rotate through because none of them do anything. They're all just, again, I call it getting cardio. You're just out there running around bumping into people. (laughs) Harvey, a three. He had one good play against Carolina last year. Yeah, hopefully he gets one of those this week. Yeah, yeah. We he did know that one. This one, Jafari. I think he leads the team in sacks right now. So yeah. three, he have one. I think he has two, two or three. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
he's got talent. It just doesn't always show up. And again, yeah. just a, yeah. a nondescript ACC starter. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's. And I think going. I think he's still I think he's still developing, and I think he still has, he has you know he's he's to me he's a a five with a plus right like I think he still has a lot of talent. I got a lot of faith in that kid. All right. Blissett injury ruined his career. Hero. To Corey. Three. Maybe. I mean, what he's known for is allowing Manny Diaz to get fired. Yeah, well, he – I haven't seen him make very many plays, so he's a one or a two for me. Yeah. Cameron Williams. Next. Yep. Harrison <laughs> Hunt has been decent. Three. Uh, three, yeah. yeah. Hodges, next. Hodges isn't even on the team anymore. Sam, Sam Brooks, Brooks isn't on the team. Let's, let's, stop, let's stop on Sam Brooks for a second, though. Like, remember the bowl game that he had against Louisiana Tech that we were awful in? But he still had, like, 14 tackles in there. Yep. How did that kid never see any other game action? He injuries, hurt his toe. Yeah, injuries banged him up. and Man. It Very sucks, nice. but that's part of it. He was an instinctual linebacker. Jalar Hawley's known more for dancing on the sideline. Than I, I was going to say he's the, he's the best dancer that we've ever had on the team, man. You know, uh, again, when the clown show was going on and we're uh, down three touchdowns and that kid's uh, over there doing the jerk or whatever the hell he was doing, uh, he's yes. gone. This class is worse than 2018, and Bro. I didn't know that that was physically possible. Zero. Yeah, Traore's zero. We need to see him at guard. Zero. I don't even know who the hell that is. Is he on the team anymore? I think he is on the team. El no. El Gamal El El Gagon is who he is. <laughs> El Gagon. All right, Zion is like a five or a six. You know, he's yeah. he's going to develop himself into an NFL player. What I saw him day one at two hundred fifty-five pounds playing left tackle. I oh said, man, that wasn't fair. It wasn't fair going against fair. kids that played in the NFL. But I give Zion credit. I wish he was healthy right now. Um, obviously, the knee procedure he had was a lot worse than anybody anticipated. Hopefully, when he comes back, maybe this week, maybe next week, he can wrap up his last year in Miami and you know finish up strong and go to the NFL. Yeah. So the next one's kind of interesting when you look at you know what kind of impact have they had on their, their on the program. So Jakai comes in, you know, a, a lower ranked three star kid. Right. He's really been your center your starting center. And and I'd say he's been above average. Like he hasn't been elite yeah. or anything, but he's, he's definitely been above average. And I think he continues to get better. Um, and the other thing that, that we've seen just kind of being, you know, closer with him and, you know, having a relationship where we see him, we talk with him and everything. I've seen him mature mentally as mm -hmm. well as like physically and on the field. Like you've seen his, his mind get better. You know, I think we, we saw, you know, the first game in 2020, you know, he wasn't playing. And he was he was not happy about it. And he was very clearly kind of kind of upset about it on the sideline. Right. And we you know we start watching him pull his tape off and everything. And then then you see Ed Reed watches what he's doing. Right. You see Ed Reed watch walk over. I think he went to Manny or somebody. He goes, "Hey, go put Clark in the game." Right. <laughs> and Jakai got put in on the last set on the last set after he wasn't playing. But you know. He's grown so much from there. Yeah. So, you know, that's one that I will highlight is, is a plus out of this class. Yeah, so. I like Chikai. Uh, four yeah. or five for me. He's been, again, starting center. Not great, yeah. not bad. May make it to the NFL. You know, you start in the yeah. ACC for a few years, you're going to get a sniff. So good for him. Do you put mm -hmm. him Do you put him higher than Corey Gaynor? Yes, he's better oh, yeah. than Corey Gaynor. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Without question. Gaynor was a turnstile at center. Yeah. 
What? Or watch how bump, watch how he dominates Leonard Taylor. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Oh, he, that's, that's right. He's on North. That's Carolina. such a Miami North Carolina thing to happen. He is too. the captain oh, and the starting gosh. center at the University of North Carolina. Watch Good. him manhandle everybody that he faces this year. Oh <laughs> man! All right, keep going. So obviously, the best the people in that class. Zero. Yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah, one, one or two good little runs and mop up duty. Lou, Lou Headley, Headley. 10. yeah, one hundred percent. Tattoos in the NIL. Now he's like a, he's like a six or a seven. He remember <laughs> he solidified the punting game. Didn't we have Jeff Fiegels before him who couldn't yeah. punt the ball forty yards? Correct. So I love Headley. I, you know, he's a great ambassador yeah. for this school, but he's a damn punter. Like yeah. I can only give him. Yeah, so but the, but it, but the impact in that in that position though yeah. has been elite. Like that's I mean to me if you just talk about like the impact he had at punter, I mean that's that, that, that's an eight or a nine, right? Like he's yeah. he's had a fantastic impact there. The sad thing uh, is the best recruit in that class is a damn punter. Yeah, yeah. and then when you get to transfers, <laughs> zero zero zero. Uh, I'd give Jalen Phillips probably a seven or an eight. Yeah, you know for yeah, what he JP did at had a great year. Yep. Trayvon Hill, when he came over from from Virginia, Virginia Tech. Tech, I thought he was going to be a stud. He probably got a we got like maybe one or two tackles. He he then became a rapper. So he's yeah, getting he a, a one on my book. <laughs> Bubba Bolden at Miami, you take away the bloody nose against Clemson. Other than that, you did diddly. Yep, diddly. You broke that, your ankle uh, at Florida State because you jumped up to celebrate. Right. You broke your ankle, and other than that, once you got pancaked Whoa. against NC State, that you was were it. trash. That was a- Ike, Ike Nawaku or something, the, the tackle Bro. from there, just absolutely. Oh, just, Ike you know, Iquano just destroyed Iquano has it. Yeah. On a throwback. It was a throwback pass. Yep. And he just yeah. and he wasn't the same after that. So I'll give Bubba a one. KJ Osborne, I'll give him a nine. Like he balled at Fantastic year. Fantastic year when he was Not here. just receiving, but also on kick returning kick as well. Tommy puck. Kennedy, he's going to get the best zero I ever threw out. He's one of the <laughs> biggest plus. That of all time. Remember, it was us in Oklahoma. That's your starting left tackle. That was the kid that was supposed to start against Florida yeah. and lost his job to a 250-pound Zion Nelson. <laughs> look, at the, look at the picture. Look how hard he looks in the picture. Yeah. You know? Like, that's our starting left there? tackle. Where was he Butler. at? Buffalo. Yeah, you know Butler. where he should have stayed? Butler, Butler. Butler. That's right. his ass up there because that was where he belonged, not at Miami. Bro. It's, that's an awful recruiting class. But awful. that's worse that besides – so look. You got Rousseau and you got Phillips, two mm-hmm. first-round draft picks playing the same position, wearing the same number. Those are your two best. Besides Lou, those are your two best guys on those two recruiting classes. Yeah. How bad is the recruiting been? Now, I can't blame this recruiting class in 2022 on Mario. He salvaged some kids, was right. able to keep some kids. Let's see how again finish out the year. Let me see how your 23 class. And we talked about this too, right? If you lose four or five games. How many these of these kids, kids are, are you? Yeah, how oh, many kids are you really keeping? You know what I mean? Yeah, you can sell whatever you want to sell. Um, the stadium thing is is an issue. It's been an issue, and it's been exacerbated because you lost to Middle Tennessee. Yeah, these kids are. You know, you sh- you bring them for a recruiting weekend. They look around and go, "Awesome, there's twenty five thousand people here. We just got our ass whooped." Like, dude, let's. Let, hey, John, finish your statement, but Bert. Run the run the nineteenth season or the twenty season as well. Who cares? That's that's it right here. But I think we probably could move a little quicker through through right. this one. Yeah. If you guys want, unless you want to. Well, stop I want to fin- I want to finish John's. I want to finish hearing John's statement on that though. But my point to that with the recruiting is, you continue to bring kids and like I know there's bringing they're bringing a bunch of kids to North Carolina. You show up this week and lose a game. These kids are going to look around and go, dude, I can go to Alabama or Georgia or hell, Florida State or Florida. 
where the stadium's packed. Yeah, they may be losing games, but they look like they're competitive. I think this weekend is literally the tipping point for how long this rebuild's going to take. You win this game, then you have, and I don't know the exact order, Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Duke the next no, three weeks. Vir- after. Yeah, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Duke, Virginia. Okay. My point to that, those three games are three must wins. You're better than every one of them by a long way. So if you could win this week, you could realistically be 4-0 and in the conference before you go to the final uh, four-game stretch with Florida State, Georgia Tech, Clemson, and Pitt. And you should only lose one of those. You should. Even just say worst case, you split those final two. You go eight and four, six and two in conference. You go six and two, you're having winning, you're, you're winning the coastal. Winning, you're probably winning the coastal, and you get a chance to play Clemson. And I think most of us would go, "That's a good season." But sure. I truly think if you lose this week, you're not making a bowl game because I've already heard all the, the the behind the scenes crap that we didn't try hard, this, that, and the other. You lose to North Carolina. You'll beat Virginia Tech just on the, uh, the the fact that they are really putrid. You'll you'll probably lose to Duke in that scenario because Rick Leonard is playing some great quarterback for them. You'll probably beat Virginia. But I could easily then see psychologically out of it losing to FSU, Clemson, and Pitt and finishing like five and seven. God, you bet yeah. not lose this week. Like that's where we're at in year one of Mario Cristobal. John, why do you always have to be so like right? <laughs> I don't want to be right. No, but I agree with you 100%. I think if you lose this weekend, the wheels fall off the wagon. Plenty yep. simple. And you're going to lose recruits. And oh, it's going to suck. And then Mario's going to have a real – like you're really going to have to hit the transfer portal. And then you also have to remember, it's not just hitting the portal to bring kids in. It's stopping your own kids from leaving. Yeah. Because I can guarantee there's going to be young kids that look around and go, dude, this is what I signed up for. Yeah. Sorry, I'm here. School, school's beautiful. I'm playing in front of 20,000 people, and we're losing to damn Middle Tennessee State. Yep. Yep. Well, so it. let's 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 pull through it because here's the thing. Like, I think it gets a lot better starting with the 2020 class and going forward. Right, so, ready? I'll give you a number. All right, three. Avante. Three. three. Okay. Chance. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on numbering these kids because a lot of up them are date. still up, up to date. A lot of them are sophomores. Avante Williams is a one. What what has he yeah. done? Nothing. Yeah, one good pick. His, no, I like the kid. I think he's got all the talent in the world. He moped around earlier this year because he wasn't getting playing time. He did the scrubbing of social media BS. He had the off-the-field stuff, which thankfully for him got uh, you know got swept away, but he ended up getting suspended for, what, six games? Yeah. Dude, he's, the biggest thing is there was a stupid cake made by Florida for Tay Day, and he ended up signing at Miami. He hadn't done anything on the field. Sorry. Call it what it is. Chance Williams, I think, has played some pretty decent ball when given the opportunity. Right. Um, But, again, I give him a two or three because you really haven't really done anything. Jalen Knighton, again, I mean, I would give him a five. Yeah. Yeah, five or six. He's he's played well. When he's healthy and he's not fumbling the damn ball, uh, he's played. He was the most explosive player we had last year. Yeah. Chaney, I'm going to give a three. He's just so injury prone. Yep. He can't him. Yeah. Jalen Rivers, up to date. He's the I best mean, lineman we have to yeah, me. You still give him a five. Seven. Like, but he really hasn't done much. He only played in a couple, you know, last year he was completely hurt. Yep. Michael Redding kind of playing a little bit more, you know, this year because you have no other receivers. TVD, if you base it off of last year, I mean, again, give him a seven. I mean, last he, year he was a nine or a ten. Yeah, this year I'm giving him a seven for like just this year I'm giving body him a of work. One. Well, I mean, body of work, body of work for the two Overall, years that he's been playing. Yeah. I give him a seven. Jalen Harrell, seven. not even on the field. 
Nope. Who else? Isaiah Johnson. Dunson, not on the field. Nope. Elijah Roberts, you know, yeah, you get it's on the field, little. two or three. Keyshawn Washington, not on the field. Dominic Marinelli, a little bit of more of a blocking tight end. Blocking okay, you, you know, Warsham's at, he's at Auburn. He uh, Austin Caves at West Virginia. He transferred. hurt, uh, you know, what he was doing. I would have gave him an eight, you know, but he's hurt now. You know, X is definitely, X is definitely panned out. Yeah. Yep. Quentin Williams, he's transferred. And then now he's at some Ju- Juco. Marcus mm-hmm. Clark, he's at a well, walk-on at Mizzou. Keyshawn Smith is actually, I'm going to give him an eight just for his special teams play. You know, Brian Balaam, he's not playing. Corey Flagg, maybe a two. Chris Washington, a zero because he never plays. You know, Jared Williams, I'll give him a zero. Isaiah Walker, he's at some other school now. Borgales gets a definite 10. Roche gets a 10. King gets probably a six. And that's it. I mean, again, that recruiting class, which started pretty good, (laughs) there ain't much to it. This – so I asked a question on social media, and it, it goes. Is it a slice? Of, is it a slice of life question? No, no, that's okay. that's that's. I, I try to answer that every morning, by the way. <laughs> yeah, 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 I love it. Dude, we got to get you thinking in the morning. I asked a question, being serious, um, maybe a week ago. I said, "What's going on? Like these classes are all ranked really high. So is it? Are we misevaluating who these kids are when we get them? Are we failing to develop them when we get there?" Or, or is it just we don't really have talent? Every one of these kids was recruited by everybody. Yeah, Alabama, Florida State, Georgia, you name it. They were going after most of these kids. Yet they get to Miami, and we just went through a whole list of 2020 with four- and five-star kids that people were salivating over, and none of them have done a damn thing. Saban landed helicopters for him and all. Man. Right. Gervin Hall, literally, Palm Beach Lakes High School, Nick Saban flew a helicopter there to recruit Gervin Hall. He's now playing in some outpost in Utah, getting burnt left and right there. Utah State. Yeah, Coach Utah Banda. State. Well, Coach Is it Logan, Utah. Bartender. Yeah, he's got, he's got the bartender. <laughs> so who is this? This is a 21 class last season? This is a 21 yeah. class. So it's, it's tough against some of these guys, you know, they really, I mean, I, I think it's hard to put numbers on these guys right, right now. Yeah. Leonard Taylor should be playing double the snaps he is. The coaches have screwed that kid over already. He is a star if he actually gets options to go out there and play. James Williams looks like Tarzan. I won't play say like plays Jane. like Jane. No, he doesn't play like Jane, but he don't play like Tarzan either. Way too many knucklehead plays, 15-yard penalties, whatever. Not enough actual plays that matter. Yeah. I expected a lot four games in for James Williams, and I haven't got it quite yet. Still could turn it around, but nothing. Jake Garcia, who knows? You know, looks like the savior, um, but hasn't played. These guys disappoint me. Brinson and George were supposed to be Michael Irvin and Brian Blades. <laughs> George getting, is hurt. Romello had one great getting, match, uh, and that's it. We're getting a Ryan Moore and a uh... – <laughs> And I Kevin Beard, I like KB. Lance, Lance, I like Lance Yeah, Lance Leggett. I like Lance too. Lance. No, Ka- oh, Khalil, Khalil Jones. I'm, I'm going to go. Oh, not <laughs> Khalil Jones. Wow. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I was gonna say Akeem right Jala, but he passed away, so I, I wasn't oh. going to go with Jala. So that's right. Uh, Lawrence Seymour. Is he play. even got on the field yet? Arroyo, oh, torn ACL. Is he out for the year? Is that confirmed? Uh, we'll find out Saturday. But from okay. what I've heard, yes. Uh, Brashard Smith. Again, had a couple of flash moments, but not much. Well, Cody well, Brown's on. gone. I, I, I'm Broussard, though. Like, to me, that kid needs to be on the field and using him in an all-purpose back. Plus, I mean, look, 
you talk about guys that can't catch the ball, like his hands have been pretty damn sure in games. Like not against AM. Yeah, not against AM. Well, I mean, he dropped a couple, but he like, dropped I mean, a he, he dropped a fourth he and five. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean still in, in games, I mean he's he's made some really tough catches too, though. But he's yeah. he's dropped some real easy ones. Yeah. Cody Brown's uh I don't I think he go to Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, okay. No, Virginia, Virginia. Virginia. Oh, yeah, Virginia. UVA. So he'll run for 200 yards against us. <laughs> yeah. um, Ishmael, Ishmael hasn't played. That Franklin. Okay. You know, Next. Chase Smith hasn't played enough. Again, a physical freak that hadn't been on the field. Cam Kitchens has probably been the best safety we've had. Um, and then the rest of these guys, I don't think they played. McLaughlin's barely Well, he's played. hurt. Yeah, but he he's a big kid. Like, Rodriguez hasn't played. If you stand next to Mike McLaughlin – that kid is a that is a Brian McKinney type kid. He's only a freshman, so we'll have to see because he's out of here, out of Douglas. But mm-hmm. the kid's got a broken arm. But like, I want to see how he plays out next year. But has that Davis kid, played at all? Special uh, no. teams, maybe. Oh, special teams. Tyler Johnson hadn't played. No. Troutman. Uh, Troutman's gone. Khalil Brantley. Uh, if you're if you're going to play, you might want to play now. If Arroyo's not there, Curtis got toasted on a game. Um, Alan May. So I don't the think thing, the thing with there. Curtis, I want to stop with Curtis. Like, how is he not our our kick and punt returner? I have no. Well, idea. I mean, oh, so all right, so I know Keyshawn's done really well the past couple games with it, but yeah, I mean, but why like, is why Curtis is to Corey so Couch? Fast. But why is to Corey Couch back there with or Tyreek Stevenson returning punts? But we're just listen. We're not coaches, right? Andy mm-hmm. Borgalis, I Again, I, I'd give him a five. He's made some big kicks, but he's also missed some easy kicks. Yep. Foley, he's he's there. Again, you look at your, you know, Rambo, I think, is your best player. Stevenson has not lived up to the hype. Justice does not need to be starting at left guard. No. Uh, DeAndre Johnson was decent while he was there. I mean, this you've now just told me why this team's not good. No, we showed you. Yeah. Showed, <laughs> I don't even, like, literally, we've just gone through four recruiting classes, and there – Maybe five there actually not, are – yeah, there's very few impact players. These are just guys. But see, the, the, the argument I'd make in the in 21 and, and 22 classes, I mean, these are still really young guys, and no I think doubt. there's still a lot. There's still the opportunity to develop on on all right. these 20, 21, and 22 kids. You know, like you know, I don't I don't think that they're a lost cause by any by any stretch. Yep. There's to me 18 and 19 and 20 through 22. Are there's there's a massive jump that's taken in 2020. But there was nobody in 20, talent. There was nobody in 2020 that we said were any good. Right. It was just they were just guys. You know. There's yeah. and you're going to have team uh, out of 85 scholarship guys that are just guys. Um, Knighton can be good. Knighton, Rivers yeah. is really good. Oh, I like Rivers. Taylor. Yeah. I mean, you know, you still get yeah, TV oh, in this TV. class. It's yeah. A I decent mean, class. But again, you all these X, bottom guys aren't playing. Keyshawn. You know, or transferred. Yeah, it's yeah. just uh it it's an indictment on where the program is. So, you know, moving forward, you start to think about this week against North Carolina. And Carolina's not a good football team. Their quarterback's good. Their quarterback's good. Uh Josh Downs, their slot receiver is really good. Phil Longo, their offensive coordinator, has murdered us for his time that he's been in Chapel Hill. I mean, just taking apart our defense, whether it's through the air or on the ground. My point to that, though, defensively, they are atrocious. 
Yeah. Like when I say atrocious, Notre Dame had almost 600 yards of offense against them. What about Notre Dame is terrible <laughs> on offense, yet marched up and down the field against North Carolina. The problem is, if they get up in front of us, they're they're going to pour it on. And I don't know how our defense is going to slow their offense down. You're going to have to win this game 45-42. And with our stuck-in-mud quicksand offense, I don't know how we do that. It's, it's going to be challenging. You know, again, they're averaging 320 yards a game through the air. You know, uh, Drake May is 19 touchdowns and one interception, so he's very careful on where he throws the ball and how he throws the ball. Mm-hmm. I watched their first couple of games. They like to use their tight ends a lot. You know, again, our linebacker is going to be able to, or our safety is going to be able to you know, be able to come up and cover. Right. You know those tight ends, and then what do you do? You put Josh Downs against DJ Ivy. You don't think someone like that is licking his chops, looking at the film, like, oh, this guy from Middle Tennessee just burnt eight up and down the field. Hey, look, I'm 11. I'm listen. I'm going out in the left flat. Just throw me the ball. We heard from Kevin Steele, and I think they're going to play more zone this week. Okay, you almost have to. You almost are just going to have to say, look, we're going to make you throw into windows and hopefully that they can play the coverage the right way. One of the good things I did see, you know, people have banged on our defensive line. You're not getting home, not getting home. We're like fifth in the country in pressure rate. I think 38 or 39 percent of the snaps we're getting pressure from our front four. We're just not getting quarterbacks to the ground. So against Drake May, a guy who is a true dual threat. You don't want to play man and go steamrolling in there because if he makes a guy miss, now he's running for 15, 20 yards. But wouldn't wouldn't you at least play out of anybody on that field, wouldn't you at least stay man with Josh Downs and put your best cover person on there, whoever you identify that as? Do you put Tyreek Stevenson and have him follow him all over the field? Because they have another kid, is it Antoine Green? He's the big play guy on the outside. Um maybe I think you bracket them some, you do some man with a, with a safety over the top. You're going to have to confuse and run different looks. The problem is Carolina in some games has run the ball right at us in this same offense. In other games, they've sat back there and slung it all over the yard. So how do you manufacture ways to get guys to the ground? How do you find ways to get three and outs? I think it's going to be huge for our offense to actually run the snail pace. Time con- time control, ball control, run the football, keep them off the field. But the most important part is when you get in the damn red zone, actually score touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Henry Parrish has got to punch, punch it in, man. He's actually ran the ball really well. He's been pretty much the only player who's got into the end zone multiple times for us. I think he actually is the only player who's gotten in multiple times for us, you know. I want to see him get loose, man. And then, you know, we should be utilizing Rooster as well out of the backfield. Like I said a hundred times, that wheel route is always open, especially last year against Carolina. That thing was wide open. Like, you know, do whatever you got to do to get points on the field. And, you know, I think the key to it is you got to speed this offense up a little bit. And like, John, I know you just said, hey, keep keep the ground control and the ground and pound with them. But you got to be able to spark something, man. And that has not worked for us with that just snail's pace offense, man. I think if we see that again, I think we're in trouble. I think one of the things they did better against Middle Tennessee when they did go tempo, they ran more RPO. You saw Frankie Ladson had a couple of nice catches over the middle of the field. The plays that were there a year ago, those were the throws you were making to to Pope and to Wiggins and, and, you know, obviously to Rambo and to Harley and got TVD in a rhythm. I'd like to see a package where I have Parrish, Knighton, and Brashad Smith all on the field at the same time. Yeah. Why can't we do absolutely. that? Absolutely. 
You know, if you, you watch the one pass thrown to Jalil Skinner, mm-hmm. he took that, turned up field quick, ran down the sideline. Right. Like, that's what I want to see, too. Like, get your guys in, in space where they can catch, lead the ball in front of them, they can catch right. with their hands, turn up field and run, make a defender miss here or there, and mm-hmm. see if you can skedaddle into the end zone. Um, there's a couple – like, I, I, how do I say this? There's a couple good stories in college football going on right now. Yeah, so I want to talk about a couple of them. I don't want to change paces too much, but I want to talk about Kansas. Mm-hmm. What a phenomenal awesome. job what they're doing. You know, it's and again, awesome. well, Les Miles started a couple of years back, and you know, it. Oh no, that I was thought, a disaster. But, <laughs> but you know, him going from LSU over to Kansas and him kind of getting things going a certain right. way, and see what Kansas is doing now. Now, if I if I'm not mistaken. Like they're over under on win totals this year with I think two and a half. Yeah, they've already they've already far surpassed that. They have a huge game this week against TCU, who just literally knocked the brakes off of Oklahoma. So yeah. when we talk about preseason rankings, this is why I didn't care that Miami was ranked 16th or 18th. Oklahoma was six or five or whatever. Like you got beat back to back weeks against Kansas State, right, and then Texas Christian University. Mm-hmm. But you didn't just get beat; you got mauled. Yep. Like Max Dugan last week, <laughs> like literally just destroyed Oklahoma. I wonder what the fan base, you know, what's going on and what's being said. Like we're talking about Mario. What's they're being said about Brent Venables? Venables. Oh, they're they're ready to run him out of town already because they watched Lincoln Riley go across country to USC, and they're in the top seven. Maybe they're a little overrated. Maybe not. The problem is now when you put these price tags on coaches, and I'll go back to Mario. If Mario was making $4 million a year, I don't think we're as mad today. The fact that he's making eight and a half, and now you've invested all this money in a staff and everything else, and the product is, I could, I'll honestly say the product's worse than what I saw a year ago. We're not competitive right now. Like Southern Miss was a, a close game. We were up 10-7 halftime at Southern Miss. So this isn't a one-game anomaly. That's the problem now when you give out these exorbitant contracts. Steve Sarkeesian's dealing with it at Texas. Mm-hmm. Brent Venables at Oklahoma. Mel Tucker, who they gave a ton Michigan of money State. to Michigan State. They're not very good. You know, Miami's awful. Billy Napier's lost a couple of games at Florida, but at least they've been close. I hate to give those clowns credit, but they've been close in all their games. We're getting our ass yeah, whooped. Including against USF, but go ahead. Right. We got steamrolled <laughs> by Middle Tennessee State. We were uh, we were in a three-point game at halftime against Southern Miss. Both of them starting quarterbacks who probably couldn't start for St. Thomas Aquinas right now. And that's where we're at. So yeah. it is frustrating. Um, what Lance Leipold's doing at Kansas is setting himself up for the next job. But you know what Lance Leipold is? And a lot of people don't know anything about Kansas as coach. He was a D3 multiple-time national champion at Wisconsin Whitewater. Left there, took a very modest job at the University of Buffalo and had them playing good football, and then went to Kansas. Sometimes, and you can look at Chris Kleiman at Kansas State. There's a guy that was at North Dakota State, won championships Championships. there, (laughs) went there. You find sometimes guys that can coach, takes them a little while, and they build programs. Mario's going to need time. And I am team Mario. I, I, I regret a few of the things I tweeted out uh, during the game. I, I tagged Coach Cristobal and I said, the honeymoon's over. And I 100% the honeymoon's over. There ain't nobody giving a rat's ass about what happened in June and July. Now we're two and two. Yeah. Now you can win everybody back, rattle off four or five in a row, beat Florida State, 
you know, get into the Clemson game at eight and two. Yeah, we're back. We're we're happy. We're we're feeling good. Lose three or four of these next games and see what people are going to say. Wow. Josh Gaddis, the honeymoon is done for him. I'm already tired of hearing him talk. Had enough of Josh Gaddis. Slow, boring ass offense. And the problem is, so so here's one of the things too. Like you sit at you know you sit up in the A and you watch the games. Mm-hmm. Like we're there in the stadium and have to endure it. Like you can shut the TV off if you want no, to. I don't. I see it and I don't. Yeah, and I could say that I can leave, but I won't. Right. At the end of the day, I, I'm a fan, right? Number one, I pay good money to go to the Rock and then and watch the game. You think I'm bailing early? There's no way. Number Dude, one. I- I watched every single snap of that stupid Middle Tennessee game. Every one of them. And then, by the way, Johnny Ruiz, not John, but his yeah, son, son. That dumb crap that he put on social media afterward. Like, literally, we've just lost to Middle Tennessee, and he starts trying to pimp a stadium. I said, get lost, man. Like, literally, get lost. Bird. <laughs> what is that? Well, for our picks. Bird sent me a text. I got picks ready, bro. You don't we think probably, that, we that, probably we probably got the games. We probably get the same games, man. No, but right. finish your statement because I agree yeah, with you, ahead, John. John. No, but it, there's certain times, and and I I hope John Ruiz and company can get things done. Um, I had I I don't want to say I had an argument. I just went back and forth with Malik Rozier. Malik was like, you know, uh, kids the are the yeah, kids yeah. are. Well, he he literally said, kids don't want to get on a bus because they're drinking and partying too much at the school. I said, okay, so what's the excuse for the basketball games? I remember you saying that. Yeah. And, but and I, I said it directly to him. Correct. I said, what's the excuse for the Literally, you walk across campus, you have a 7,000-seat arena that the only time it's filled up is for FSU, Duke, and Carolina. That's yeah. it. Same thing with the baseball baseball games. It's the baseball same exact thing. Here's a, I'll give an example. Baseball is boring as hell. I love you, baseball. I know a lot of people do. It's kind of a cult following. Yeah, yeah. But I don't blame a student on a Friday evening at 730 if they don't walk over to the light to see Miami play Virginia Tech. But even if you go there for like an inning or two, just to show up, hey, cool, grab a milkshake and bounce. <laughs> we are always one of the most highly represented schools in baseball. Yeah. My thing was basketball. They built an on-campus arena because the Miami arena back in the day was too far. The James L. Knight Center was too damn far. You build the Wasco Center, beautiful facility. I've been there. They have the ability to expand it to 10,000. They never had to. And people don't show up. So what makes me think on a Saturday, these same frat guys that Malik Rozier told me are drinking too much and partying too much are going to go, you know what? I'll go to Tropical Park to go watch a game. They're not going. You know who's going to those games? You're going. Bird, you're going. I'm going. Guys are flying or driving in from Palm Beach. That's who's going. The stadium didn't lose to Middle Tennessee. The crowd didn't lose to Middle Tennessee. A crap effort by our players and a horrible uh, game plan is what lost that game. Yeah, no, 100%. And people got to realize at the end of the day, and we talked about this before, you go back to the old one team, you play in Rutgers at noon, you might have 35,000 right. fans there. And you're talking about, quote, unquote, the greatest college football yep. team ever, ever assembled. And you got 35,000 there on a Saturday at noon against Rutgers. Right. Nothing's changing. Nope. You're in Miami. This isn't Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, this isn't, you know, uh, give me another, you know, BFE town, you know, whatever. Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's not Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's not Columbus, Ohio. No, it's not something that these, these, you know, these cities. Not Clemson. Even say Gainesville, right? I mean, it's just, it's not a town where it's predicated around the Saturday of college football. It's not. I will say this, though. 
Uh, we do have some of the most excuse-making fans in the oh, world. Oh, facts. Like, facts. you guys are diehards. I'm a diehard. Um, if I lived in South Florida, I absolutely would be at every game. There's six or seven home games. Why the hell would I miss a game? No chance. I live out of state. I'm going to four games this year coming from another state. Uh, that's a lot more than some of our quote-unquote super fans down there. But we have the most excuse-making damn fans. I, who gives a crap that it's hot? Yeah, it's hot. You're going to a football game to enjoy yourself for four hours. Who cares if they're playing a bad team? Guess what? That bad team whooped our ass. Maybe we showed up and won. I get tired of fans arguing with other fans on social media about how little our attendance is, yet they're the same ones that I'm a season ticket holder, but I can't make it this week. I'm selling my tickets. Stop it, man. Yeah, why are you selling your tickets? We should do a we should do a poll on that. Why are you selling? If you were four and zero right now, would you be selling your tickets? Nope. Well, I I sold mine last week just or well for the Middle Tennessee game just simply because my kid had a volleyball tournament, man, and right. that's that's something you know well, like I could. So you should have told your kid, listen, you don't play volleyball during football season. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, man. Look, I committed to coaching, man, and you know, yeah. look, my kid's more important. That's. There's a few things that are more important than the Canes with the family. Yeah, and that's, that's a different scenario. <laughs> right, right. But, that's I mean, look, you, be, you best believe I'm going to be down there. I'm, I'm going to be there this Saturday, man, no matter what. And even if we lose all these games coming up, I'm still going to be standing in the paint with them, man. I might not be sitting in the same seats next year if we lose all these <laughs> games. <laughs> they're gonna jack, with that schedule next year, they're going to jack up the prices. But my point to that with Ruiz was like, dude, get, and nothing, like, I, I love the, the father. We've had a chance to have John on the program. But, yeah. The last thing I want to see when we just lost to Middle Tennessee is you pimping a stadium and telling us how much we need the stadium to win. Yeah, no, yeah. We, we need better players to win. Yeah, we need yeah. we need more dedication out of a program that's going to stop taking games lightly as if they've ever won a damn thing in their lifetimes. Yeah. We're, right, ne- we're, never gonna dry, we're never going to draw 60,000 fans on average. Never what have think, and never will. Honestly, what do you think we're going to have this week? 35, maybe? Not even. 30. 30. 35. Really? 30. Mm-hmm. That's disappointing. That it's thirty paid for. Not we we need to we need to drape <laughs> off that that upper that you know those those upper end zones, man. Oh, like, they, I, I don't know. They did that years and years ago before they you know they completely rehauled the stadium and right. they added the jumbotrons. But they literally had all those corners, like yep. maybe 15, 20 sections, completely roped off. Yeah, here's know? what I would do, and I know the school would never go for this because they did sell 50-some-odd thousand season tickets this year, which apparently only about half of them are being used. I legitimately, especially for bad games, it's general admission for everybody. Everybody yeah. can come sit in the lower deck until it fills up. Because what the hell are we – why do we have 36 people over here, 60 people over here, 90 people over here? Screw that. Yeah. It, you know what? Middle Tennessee, everybody gets to sit down low. And it's, you know what? It'd, it'd make it a whole lot louder, too. I'm going to curse right now, and I know they're going to get It's a fucking free-for-all. <laughs> Come get there early. Get your seat. Now, you can't get co-seats. PG's a game for that those seats. <laughs> but everything else is up for grabs. Yeah. Open no, up no, the no, damn no. barrier. Let everybody have fun. No, I get, oh, it. I get it. So let's, so do, let's this. do this. Let's go let's ahead go and, and uh, uh, do some picks. Are you guys down to do picks? All right. Yep, so going? I'm going to start off with, and, and just so you guys know, I did throw the paper away last year because we last week because we all picked Miami and I didn't want to look at all the the, the standings. So I threw it away. I, was, right. I, I think I lost a bunch of those games anyway. So I probably did too. 
All I know is, we, John, you and I are on week one or four and one, and Bird's one and four. So we're going to keep right. that going, all right? Of course, he threw so, the other paper away, Bird. That's right. I threw the other one away. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to go back and look because I know I picked against you guys. So, All right. TCU and Kansas. Uh, give me TCU. I, I, I like Kansas. Jalen Daniels, really good quarterback. But TCU with Sonny Dykes throws it all over the yard. Kansas was in a barn burner last week, 14-11 against Iowa State, they can't keep up with the Horny Frogs. Bird. <laughs> the Horny Frogs. All right, just give me give me Kansas, man. I'm riding with Cinderella on this one. Oh, my word. I'm going to I'm gonna go with John on this. I mean, obviously, because it's a pick em. You know, we have $100 at the end of the season. Who has the do most? We? No. Just... <laughs> now we do. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with TCU on that He, one, he waits until so. I'm in the hole to call that out. <laughs> Tennessee LSU. I think this is going to be a pretty good game. Eight versus 25. LSU's kind of got some momentum. Obviously, they took that L with Florida State the first game of the season, but uh, they've actually been playing some pretty good ball. So, Bird, who you got on this game? Give me LSU here. Okay, John. Tennessee's got the hype, but I think uh, I think LSU's going to show up. Give me Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm gonna. That offense is humming. Uh, they're the only team on Georgia's schedule that can beat them. All right. I'm actually going to go with the Volunteers as well. Um, I like the way they're playing. Hendon Hooker, I hated him when he was at Va Tech. I thought he could have did a lot more damage to us. Oh, he did. The first game he started, he <laughs> threw four touchdowns and beat us. Yeah. After that, Mark, that's a, the Mark Pope win game that we ended up beating oh. him at. And then, uh, but I like Hendon Hooker. So I got Tennessee on this one. Very good game here in the Pac 12, Utah and UCLA. I had that one written down too. Who you got, John? Um, I'm going to take Utah. Physical, tough. UCLA coming off a really good win against Washington, but I do like the Utes. They should be undefeated right now if they didn't gack it away at the goal line against Florida yeah. a couple of times. Bert, who you got? Agree with everything John said. Give me the Utes. Yeah, I'm going with the Utes as well. Oh, you know, across the board. Yeah, I mean, and then, Bert, whatever game I don't have, if you want to throw on so we can – did you guys hear about the guy who missed a 15-team parlay, you know, because he picked the Rams? Yeah, and they had an opportunity. He could have hedged out. For yep. twenty eight grand, and chose to run it through, and then lost. Yeah, so he got zero. Bro, I, I'm I'm hedging out at twenty eight k on a ten dollar on a ten dollar parlay. Huh. You literally, you're up twenty eight thousand, bro. I hedge out of that. I'm gone. All right. Uh, I think this is gonna be another good game. Um, could be maybe not so much. BYU Notre Dame. Uh, I got BYU. I, I'd i rather pick a, a root canal than Notre Dame, so give me BYU. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I got I got BYU too, man. I'm a huge fan of Kalani Sataki and what he does. Over there. I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in the game. Give me the Cougars. I'm actually and they got go. and they got the second best mascot in the game next to next to Sebastian is is the Cougar. I'm actually gonna go with Notre Dame on this game. I, I, Bro. Yeah, I, I'm I'm actually gonna go Notre Dame on this one. Bird, I thought you were gonna say you were a fan of the Cougars. Yeah, me too. Johnny's Hideaway up here. You can find you a good 60 year old. Hey, doll, come on over here. I got a pack of Newports for you. So, John, before we go to a couple more games, I got a question for you. What happened to the Boo Saloon over there in Buckhead that burned Dude, I, down? I have no idea. We were on the air, and I go, oh, my <laughs> God, there's a saloon <clears throat> on fire. I, I guess it caught a fire caught the night before, and it burnt to the ground. Two of Atlanta staples are gone. Buckhead Saloon burnt to the ground, and the great Oasis Strip Club apparently went out of business this week. The Good Time Emporium. 
That's what it was called. It said, it said good time Emporium up on the, uh, on the, on the marquee. So, I think I still have some free passes. <laughs> Not no more. So the that, that my strokers? <laughs> no, this one was up in Doraville. Up so by the Bert, old GM plant. So Bird had posted, oh, look, it burned up, you know, Buckhead Saloon burned down. And I literally put on there, yeah, the place where Bird couldn't hold his liquor. <laughs> when well, we were up there for the party, um, I think this is maybe Bird was you good. there. He was out on it. Like, he literally dropped a beer right in front of everybody. Just literally yeah, dropped. On the outside patio, I was holding three of them, and the one slipped out and hit the ground. And, and I'm just like, oh, dude. And he has told that story, like, six times already on the air. Like, yeah, I dropped the beer, bro. It happens. Now, you were, you were chill. Because Bird <laughs> sat by my wife the whole time and just was yeah. five out. just chilling, dude. I we was were, hammer time. Oh, oh trust me. Yeah, we yeah. know. <laughs> I was hammer time. When we I called. Know. When I called uh, Alabama fans a bunch of rednecks, I uh, <laughs> don't think that went over very well. But no. Whatever. All right, another good game, FSU-NC State. I had this one on there. Yeah, again, I'd rather I'd rather have a uh, – what's what's the thing, a catheter? I'd rather have a catheter shoved in me <laughs> than pick FSU. Give me, give me NC State at home. Bird, talk to me. Come on, man. You're you going FSU, I know. That's right. Hell okay. no. <laughs> I am actually gonna go with NC State as well. I can't yeah. pick the Seminoles. <laughs> you, I just, you tried to fake us out there. No, I say if you took Notre Dame and Florida State, you were off the show for like no. two. <laughs> I'm Put them in timeout. <laughs> I, I like how NC State, even though they lost to Clemson last week, I thought they still played well. You know, and yeah. and again, I, I'm I'm gonna give credit where credit's due. I didn't expect Florida State to play as competitive as they have this past season so far. Right. Um, you know. They got down 28-7. They clawed their way back, you know, but I think Wake could have literally just blew them out. Wake I don't could have scored any time they wanted to. Correct. What is with that slow, methodical Good. RPO that they run? So one of my co-hosts, Brian Finneran, his offensive coordinator in college was Dave Clawson, who's the mm-hmm. head coach of Wake Forest. Yeah. We were talking about the slow mesh today. I don't even know how we got on the subject. He texts Coach Clawson because we were like, is that called? Is it an RPO? How do you practice this? And Coach Clawson texts back uh, and said point blank. He said there are sometimes it's just a run play. Sometimes it is called a run pass option. Sometimes it's a straight pass. I watched FSU's D linemen stop doing anything. They were standing there doing the damn hokey pokey. Yeah, what do we do here? They didn't know what to do. Yeah. Because if you rush up the them. field, they slow mesh you and run by you. If you slow play it, then he just reads the linebacker and decides whether to pull it or keep it. It's one of the stupidest, funkiest offenses ever, but it works. But it works. <laughs> they have it definitely four, does. <laughs> four stars on their entire roster. Four. And I Wake Forest <laughs> would mud stomp us. I was going to say, how bad do you think that we, oh. would, that we would be against that right now? Our linebackers against oh. that discipline? Come on, man. Yeah. 48 right. to 17. Oh my god. So final game I have is Miami UNC. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> he, he said um, oh, he pulled a Billy Bob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I got I got the canes on the rebound, man. I'll never pick us to lose, man. Give me give me Miami. John's going 30, to UNC. I UNC it, 21. Oh, I know he is. 100 percent North Carolina <laughs> has owned us. Uh, and I'm from Missouri. You gotta show me. Show me all this nonsense. All right, Nelly. Uh, this this is going to be an ass whooping. Drake May will have four or five touchdowns. Ass whooping. UNC. I I think Miami comes out and rebounds. I hope they come. Right. They come out and play like they did in 2018. 
They got three different defensive turnovers. You know, we're going to have a pick six. We're going to have Larry you know, Fedora coming back to coach. North I don't know, but you know, Surratt, I think is going to come back and be the OC Chaz, for this game. Chaz. <laughs> Who, by the way, then Who's had the a linebacker five tackles against us the next two years. Oh my God. Didn't he go to linebacker? He didn't yeah, go to linebacker, the linebacker right? and killed us. Yeah. Just destroyed us. Figured he couldn't throw the ball against us. Muggle just tackle us. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong. I, I never pick against Miami. This line is only three and a half. Like, I would never actually go gamble against us, but this just screams blowout to me. This just screams the wheels are about to come off the bus, and maybe Mario proves me wrong, and maybe I've got PTSD from Golden Shannon Diaz-itis, but you got to show me something. These kids have not shown me ever that they're capable of doing anything. Uh, Bird, you got anything? Any other games on 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 the slate that you have written down? Oh man, you hit, you hit them all. I didn't have the BYU uh, Notre Dame, but uh, gotcha. yeah, we threw that one in there, and we uh, we got six on the on the slate. Well, listen, there, so. I mean, obviously, you know, we got about a minute and a half left before we wrap it up, and you know, it's been a good two two hours. I mean, obviously, we're we're two weeks removed from you know the A and M you know segment, and you know, it's good to be back on the air. Unfortunately, like I said, some tragic things happened this past week, and you right. know, well, two tragic things happened. You know, obviously, you go back to the Middle Tennessee. Yeah. You know, and you see all the memes now with, you know, you know, hurricanes, do they go left? Do they go right? Or do you just call Middle Tennessee and they'll handle my I will just say <laughs> karma is a real thing. And yeah. Rick Stockstill, their coach, had every right to talk trash after the game. Yeah. But the Absolutely. fact that they carried on for about four days, that's why you got your ass whooped by UTSA at home. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I get it. Biggest win in your program's history were the punching bag again. Um, but they got the karma that was coming to them. Yeah, yeah, I hope North Carolina gets that same karma because they're one of the first schools to do the U down. That stupid Ryan Switzer and Marquise Williams in 2015, mm-hmm. when we had Larry Scott as the head coach, and they beat us like 59 to 13. They're the first school I remember doing the U down. Um, I hope karma comes back to bite them this year because I don't like those uh, pompous asses up no. there at Chapel Hill. No, I get it. You know, at the end of the day, We'll be there, win or lose, ride or die. That's what we do. Um, so, listen, you guys listen to Ken Game Radio Show. It's your boy, DC. For John Michaels, for Ryan, oh, the Dirty Bird, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Just said my real name on air. His name is <laughs> Ryan Pittman, at Dirty Bird, with three Ys. We're going to throw him up like we always do, represent. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, sir. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week after the University of Miami beats North Carolina. We'll have a post-game celebration. We'll toast it up for everybody out there in Radio Land. Have a good night. Peace. Canes Canes by Fitty. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) The views and opinions expressed on Kane Gang are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.